0: Hello everybody, September 23rd. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the U.S. imposed canadian border, the Blackfeet, north of the border, the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all Indigenous that are First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status or non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I think I know as I walk down the Red Road. I'm Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliot, another very English name which has afforded me uh, privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. My father is so Canadian. I am the daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage, that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene Nation is a visitor to the area of Klincho, Tine Indahay, in my form of Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman Given in Ceremony. My patron account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I would like to thank Amanda, Amy, Ashley, Diana, Dustin, Joni, Judy, Julie, Kana, Matt, Nathan, and Sharon for signing up. Um, last episode, I also acknowledged Barb's who gave me a one-time donation, which I really appreciated, um, be using that for the upcoming, uh, Tuesday rally. So if you value listening and can afford to give, thank you for those who cannot afford to give, but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also now on iTunes, Google play and Stitcher nativecalgarian.com is also up violence is a everyday reality for myself. Uh, every indigenous generation has faced it. This is why I started the podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership, shaming, without gaslighting questions as many people don't want to hear indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell theirs. And usually by people who don't know anything about indigenous or anything about colonialism or the constant surveillance of indigenous people, our protests, our vigils and our rights, uh, We have a lot of uh, Indigenous people that have to deal with internalized racism from all of that negativity. Uh, And some of them become the gatekeepers that survive off the status quo and are still in their trauma. Uh, Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And a podcast is a great way to try to heal from it. So that's what I'm trying to do. I hope that my daughter and my family will be proud in the future trying to discuss these modern day issues as the way that I understand them. So I like to start by educating people about um, culturally safer spaces. And culturally safer spaces are something that a lot of people of color and indigenous people and LGBTQ2 are not afforded. Um, the way the world is set up is colonial. So that means it's set up for the white male Christian heterosexual talking and not anybody who doesn't fit that paradigm. So creating culturally safe spaces allows for more people to be at the table. And I have a lot of people approach me and ask me, why can't we get people sitting on our boards? And I ask them if they have culturally safe spaces. And usually the answer is no. So, you know, you can do that by starting off with a land acknowledgement. Doing that land acknowledgement tells indigenous people, hey, we recognize that you're here and you're a part of our community. Some other things that you can do is um, I, I have some guidelines here from heretohelp.bc.ca and the four that they really focus on is to do something. You can have good intentions, but it's not enough. So those people who say that you're colorblind, that's not good enough because that doesn't say that you're welcoming and inclusive. You have to take action to make change. You have to speak out against racism, ask questions for Of those with more understanding of it so there are experts who are even white on racism and you can uh, read those books and find out more. There's allies that you can approach and create a support system for yourself to help advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Don't expect this learning to come from marginalized people. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people, Black people, LGBTQ2+, or any other marginalized group. Um, Take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Um, Ableism is a major issue. Do you have access for everybody to be able to be approached at your board? Um, Do you have other methods of audio and such that people can listen in? Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. In fact, if you're, if you are comfortable, then that is exactly why you don't have marginalized people at your table. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. So um, a little bit about internalized racism. This is when a dominant group oppresses a racial group. And that's, Continuous racism still supports the supremacy and dominance. So that's a little bit of the gatekeeping t- that I was speaking about. Uh, RacialEquityTools.org ec- has some information on what internalized racism is. Of course, you can Google that anytime. Uh, there's inner, interpersonal, institutional, and cultural uh, forms of interti- inner blah, inner <laughs> internalized racism, which a lot of people call lateral violence. So the do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. Um, You're going to see this. I was just reading a wonderful thread from a gentleman out in Toronto, a black gentleman talking about segregation uh, in the urban setting and, you know, some issues with gentrification and such. And, you know, I really related because um, I'm here in Calgary. Our mayor, Nenshi, he put out one of the first videos, he talked about the segregation that happens by realtors. And uh, I see it as an indigenous person, obviously, in a more historical context, where we've been segregated out of communities. Um, I also want to acknowledge the Chinese were also segregated. Um, that's the foundations of Canada. So, you know, I, I really relate to that. And that's part of the reason why I ran for war 10 was that I really felt that uh, we don't have people at the table really addressing these issues of urban planning, yet we're constantly approving new comi- uh, communities, but, you know, they're never specific to seniors, uh, people with disabilities, single moms. You know, it, it's gated communities and concepts that uh, it's assumed people can afford, you know, six hundred, seven dollars $700,000 homes. And I don't think we're going to be... I think we're we're going to have some severe problems in the future because millennials, they don't quite uh, look at the things that we had valued, our older generations valued the same way. And we're going to have some issues with abandoned neighborhoods. So anyway, that's my personal opinion. That's why I ran. We'll see uh, in the next election how people feel about some of the things I say on this podcast and in general. So uh, some do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. Um Irrelevant. If you witness public displays of racism uh, of anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-indigenous um, forms of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment. And harassment's the key. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand that verbal is violence as well, and it is. So harassment is maybe a term that a lot of people will understand is, is part of this. Um, you know, you can use these tips to intervene. Do make your presence known as a witness. If possible, make eye contact, create a barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker. If it's safe to do so and the person consents, film or record the incident. Do take cues from the individual being harassed. Is the person engaging with the harasser or not? Uh, Would you like me to walk over here, move to another train station? Would you like me to move them alone? Follow their lead. Notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way and honor that, especially uh, white folk don't tone, tone police somebody who's being harassed. So that means if you see a black person sitting there and they say, don't speak to me like that, do not go over in there and say, oh, can you not be uh, quiet, please? Because, um, you know, you're, you're uh, creating a scene when they're the ones who's the victim. So now you're actually becoming, um, you're teaming up with the harasser. So I just want to make that incredibly clear uh, for anybody who has a question of what tone policing is. Um, A lot of Indigenous women, we face that, we are told. We're angry women, and uh, for anyone who has time, if you read uh, Thomas King's The Inconvenient Indian, it talks a lot about, you know, the erasure of Indigenous and the uh, stereotypes, and, you know, you're you're literally contributing and being part of the problem and not part of the solution. So tone policing is a big deal. Uh, Follow up with the individual being harassed after the incident is over and see if they need anything else. Do keep both of you safe. Assess your surroundings. Are there others that you can pull in to support? Working in a team is a good idea, if possible. Can you and the person being harassed move to a safer space? Don't call the police. For many communities experiencing harassment right now, from Arab, Muslim, Black, Queer, Trans, Immigrant, and Indigenous, the police can actually cause greater danger for the person being harassed. Don't escalate the situation. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence from the attacker. Don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous to speak out, uh, move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support with your body. So, I hope that helps give people some ideas and solutions of how to manage a lot of those really uncomfortable spaces. We want to definitely have people feel more empowered by the time they leave this or by the time they listen. So, um, so let's move on. I want to first of all, congratulate, uh, Chantelle Shengyang gray eyes She is the first indigenous woman in Alberta to lead a political party. So she won the party leadership of the Green Party last night, and uh, that's pretty big news for Alberta because Alberta has so much, uh, you know, energy development happening, and it'll be good to have uh, a party that may understand. I have some personal experiences with the Green Party, so for me personally, I just know they have a lot of education to do for Indigenous education, and. Um, you know, understanding <laughs> what that means, and all of those things I just said about safety—you know—those are things that I'm hoping we can start educating all parties on, not just the Green Party. Um, honestly, colonial parties are. Uh, my my personal opinion is colonial parties aren't always the solution. The opposite. I was uh, at a speak a uh, speech yesterday at uh, Mount Royal University, and the keynote speaker was um, Rachel Snow, and she really breaks down colonialism. Um, She was working together with Russ Diable to talk about the issues with the new nation-to-nation framework consultations that are happening and to try to educate our own people on on these issues. Obviously, she's not alone. Um, You know, not a lot of people um, listen to some of the Speakers on this issue, but we have people all across the country that are lawyers that are indigenous lawyers talking about this I am getting really excited for a talk that I'm going to be giving Tuesday before the Cindy Gladue rally um, And I was invited to be one of the guest speakers with uh, Bow Valley College, but I'm also with other people and one of those other people that I'm super excited to hear from is Gloria Lee where She's um, uh, part of the justice program. She's a Cree instructor in law, and tells the truth. You know, tells the truth about about what Canada really is, and that as well. So, you know, just to get back to what Rachel Snow was saying, and and I hear it through Gloria Lee as well. Is the issues that we're dealing with is that there's not a lot of conversations happening right now about these new concepts and frameworks and changes that they want to do they as in the Canadian government want to do to indigenous people um, I don't know more is definitely listening to Russ Ibo and um, Rachel snow on these issues Sylvia McAdam she also has a law degree so I think that um, those with that knowledge and information are doing their absolute best to share that with everyone and now that I have a podcast and can speak freely I might as well as as well um, I'm Associated with the Liberal Party, I'm uh, part of the, I'm the vice chair for the national membership. So that means for Indigenous folk who decide to get a Liberal Party membership, they automatically become a part of the Indigenous Peoples Commission. And, um, you know, I want to engage with everyone as much as I can. So this is a medium to do that. If you want to talk politics, I absolutely want you on the show. I want to talk to you about what it means to you and start educating other people from an indigenous point of view, because um, we don't have a voice. We didn't, we haven't had a voice up to this point. I'm finding these podcasts incredibly liberating and healing for that reason that we can just finally be honest. So I'll uh, try to get some of these really great speakers to come on here, but also if you have something to say about uh, any of these issues of, of politics on indigenous people, I'd love to hear from you. Um, so the Yellowhead Institute that's another resource that I've been finding is actually discussing honestly more what this nation-to-nation framework looks like and um, at the end of the day for those who do not know there's a lot of you know indigenous 101 that needs to be done the bottom line is we still live under the Indian Act the Indian Act is imposed the Indian Act is part of the Constitution our treaty rights have never been properly realized to this day And now we have a new process that wants to circumvent all of those. And uh, Rachel Snow actually said it really well that, you know, the Canadian constitution when it was done in uh, 1982 was really the first time ever that uh, Canada was stepping on their own two feet away from the British monarchy. And so if you think about it, Canada is actually only 35 years old. And when you put it in that type of perspective how, this Canada Canadian construct's been forced upon these lands, that really helps you see why it is that these frameworks, these legal frameworks that some chiefs are agreeing to actually are not in the best interest of indigenous people. And um we need to be having more robust conversations about that. But um, you know, for me in the party structure, I don't have that type of voice at all. Uh my voice is literally to look at membership numbers. So You know if i of course when i'm in political circles i try to advocate for my people the best i can but unfortunately a lot of people don't want to hear it we're usually in culturally unsafe environments and um, of course there's lateral violence within indigenous people as well even within the liberal party so there's so many um, factors at play Um, i've been given wonderful opportunities to speak to people, to meet certain people, but that doesn't mean that I'm a part of an inner circle. (laughs) I remember one protester, a white protester, was yelling at me, um, you know, basically saying that I am going into a back room with Justin Trudeau, and I'm like, oh, if you had any idea how the system worked, and the system is colonial, it's meant to keep people out, and that's the whole point of it, is so that they determine how close they want to keep certain people to other people and it's not even uh you know justin trudeau's fault it's the system it's his gatekeepers deciding who who gets to get close and who doesn't and who's going to be on side and who isn't and it's unfortunate because there's needs to be a whole larger conversation but i know in the bigger picture of running the country from people who have no indigenous knowledge that looks like a really small potatoes conversation when the irony is we are talking about, you know, ongoing colonialism. Um, One of the reasons why I brought up earlier the idea of cultural safe spaces. And I, and I spoke about the gentleman from Toronto is that this is something that I deal with all of the time is seeing that there's just culturally uh, culturally unsafe spaces everywhere for people. And our voices are never at the table Um, for that reason, because it's not designed for us, not meant for us. That's the point of segregation, oppression, and um, land theft. So listening to Rachel Snow really helped inspire me, again, to start talking about these things that I feel the average Canadian doesn't know about. I really wish people would ask. I also wish Indigenous people would talk more about it. Um, You know, we have a long way to go. Uh, I'm proud to be a Liberal I'm proud to be on the team of people who see Indigenous people as human beings. I'm proud to be on a team that sees uh, the bigger picture of reconciliation that needs to happen. You know, and I know that they're good people trying to figure this out, but unfortunately they just don't have the Indigenous education and knowledge. Um, You know, we need to do more education on on these issues, and for me talking about uh, September 30th as orange shirt day, you know, these are ways I can try to help educate a few people about indigenous issues because, um, while a lot of people may not like Justin Trudeau, sadly, because he's the first prime minister to see indigenous people as human beings. I've had people in my own circle say, you know, Michelle, it wasn't until he said this that I understood that there's a problem. And I started to look into it. Um, So as much as as an Indigenous woman, I know my voice is silenced all the time. Um, What it comes down to is that sometimes you need that advocate willing, that ally willing to say, hey, this is a thing. And because he is saying, hey, this is a thing, I think a lot of people are seeing gender parity as an issue. And I think a lot of people are seeing that there is racism in Canada, that there is colonialism. And I definitely want to support and, you know, help anybody who's doing that work, which he's trying. I think that's um, Jane Philpont. She really gets uh, butchered in the media. You know, for a lot of people who don't know, she's actually lost one of her children um, uh, due to medical care. And that's actually how I lost my great grandmother. My Indigenous great grandmother was, you know, inability to get her the medical treatment she needed. And I have uh, a lot of you know, strong belief that Jane Philpont, she takes very seriously the issue of clean drinking water. She's the very first Indigenous Affairs Minister ever to care about drinking water. There Never in the history of Indian Affairs has any minister sat down, made a, a chart saying these are all of the uh, reserves, the s- over 634 reserves, and these are the ones that have clean water. These are the ones who have not clean water. These are the ones under advisory. And she charted it. She's the very first one to do it. You can't do fix this problem if you're not willing to acknowledge it. And bottom line is not until this government has anyone acknowledged this problem. So for those who do not know, I'm a big believer in harm reduction. And to me, you know... I believe what Rachel Snow and Rusty Abbo are saying about our rights and our inherent rights and our rights to the land. And I also want to support harm reduction measures. And if that means, you know, supporting a government that understands all Canadians need clean drinking water, and that includes Indigenous people, then I'm going to help that team. Because unfortunately, for all the other colonial parties, they're not saying these things. And they're certainly not leading. They certainly don't have shadow budgets. And in fact, like the conservatives, if they w- ha- were in power, they'd be the first to cut. Um, I'm, at the municipal level, that segregation and that nimby, nimbyism, that, that's really a strong issue here in Calgary. And it's part of the continued genocide against indigenous people with the opioid crisis and the lack of safe consumption sites and the lack of informed trauma care, the lack of mental health care for intergenerational trauma. That's just the nice progressive genocide that Canadians continue to do against indigenous people by not giving them medical supports that they need that are caused by the issues that they imposed. So obviously I feel very strongly about these issues and, um, you know, it all leads down to missing and murdered indigenous women again, because the Indian Act is not just racist, but it's also sexist. And it uh, discriminates against women, indigenous women at a, at a greater rate than the indigenous men. So that's why we have a higher amount of indigenous women being murdered or missing. And uh, we see it right in my ward, right here, where our women are being killed. And I, um, it's all interconnected. And people need to understand this genocide isn't over. It's continuing. And I know um, when I talk about lateral violence and internalized racism, from my own family, I know that there's a a real desire for me to just be quiet and fit in and be Catholic because they worked really hard in order to survive, in order to be here. And um, it's done out of love. My own father you know, sometimes wishes that he, I could just forget I'm indigenous, but I can't because unfortunately I face racism every day. But it's also that it comes from that love of you don't want to see your family hurt. And uh, he knows that that hurts. So, you know, it, it's, uh, <sighs> there's a lot to talk about when it comes to all of these forms of racism. But the biggest thing that I focused my speech on yesterday, after Rachel did an outstanding, fabulous job of, you know, laying the framework of what colonialism is in Canada. I just talked about healing and what healing looks like to me and how healing is a part of that bigger picture that we can't help other people if we don't heal ourselves. So I talked about, uh, you know, counseling. I had to do in my 20s. Um, That was really looking at the sexism issues that we face in Canada because I think all all Canadian women would agree that the system is not designed for inclusion of women. And then on top of that, we also have the racial racial component, which I've dealt with most in my 30s and now in my 40s. And healing is ongoing. Um, you know, every time there's a new court case, every time there's a new ruling, every time there's a, a death, every time there's a new government policy that's imposed, we all have to heal from these things. And uh, I find this podcast incredibly liberating as and part of that journey. So I'm really grateful for my husband to encourage me to be a part of it and I really encourage everyone who is indigenous or a person of color marginalized always focus on your ongoing healing and part of that healing is sometimes having the boundaries to say no and uh, yeah I'm the worst person to lead from that example so I'm I'm still working on what it means to say no so with that I will move on to some other things I wanted to ref- talk about um, so, And one of the conversations that I'm coming up to is at the Bow Valley College. I'm going to talk about culturally safe spaces. So a lot of what you already hear on this podcast talk about about racism. Um, For those who don't know, my ties to Indian residential school is my my family attended uh, Fort Providence Sacred Heart uh, Catholic School and. I actually visited there not too long ago for a cousin's wedding and the school is completely gone and there's a huge it's like a gravesite um memorial and it was done before the TRC the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action and it's still very um whitewashed but at least it honors the names and it has the names and um it's an incredible space to be in you feel it and we were in the summer so for those who do not know black flies that's a thing and that was completely surrounding that area so i'll always remember that and my my daughter not wanting to come out because of all the black flies <laughs> um so uh yeah i'm i'm going to probably talk a lot about the solutions of the truth and reconciliation 94 calls to action the royal commission on aboriginal peoples they have uh, 444 recommendations the United Nation Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People and their articles, those are all frameworks of solutions for those willing to actually tackle that. Um, Yeah, I just want to focus on the fact that we are all treaty people and that we have to learn how to work together and live together. And I'm I'm hoping that will be, you know, the big part of that conversation that comes out. Another um, panel discussion I'm going to be a part of that I'm super excited about is on Wednesday. So this week coming up here in the City of Calgary, they're going to have a Gender Equality Week, and there's going to be a proclamation on Monday, and Annie Gale's granddaughter is going to be present to accept it. Her name is Sheila, and um, 9.30 is when Council's going to uh, get started, and that's the first thing on the agenda, is to do that uh, proclamation. So if you go into City Hall, there is um, some information about Annie Gale. Annie Gale is... Uh, the first councillor for Calgary that was female and um, on Wednesday there's going to be a panel discussion at the lunch hour and I'm I'm lucky enough to be one of the people who gets to speak because I think a lot of uh, folks are really understanding now that there is some serious issues of intersectionality and culturally safe spaces that haven't been present up until now. So I'm honored to be invited and to, to speak about it. And, uh, yeah, I hope it goes well. So I think with that, we'll, you know, want to remind everybody September 30th is orange shirt day. I have, um, some information on, on our, on my uh, Facebook page about that and my Twitter, but you can Google orange shirt day and find out more of the history of why that, uh, relates to Indian residential schools. I'm really hoping that that is the day that, um, The Prime Minister will choose to be the day of recognition, of national recognition for uh, the country of Canada. Uh, Calling Back My Spirit, that starts October 2nd. That's uh, Joey English's family walking from uh, Bigani all the way up to Calgary, October 4th, Sisters in Spirit Vigil. Tuesday is the uh, Cindy Gladue rally. I hope that you can make it. I want to thank my ancestors, my granny, my mom, of what strength looks like through their example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what proud culture is through her Austrian family and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her. I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. I want to thank my husband, Darcy, for producing and edu- editing this show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and supporting me down the red road. He's witnessed decades of racism and sexism that I've experienced. Um, our child, who we're blessed to learn from daily, and I'm honored she chose us. She gives me daily accountability to be a stronger, better person, and I'm going to do a mommy brag and say that right after we're done this, we're going to the Bi uh, Visibility Day to acknowledge all of the uh, people who are bisexual and don't get recognition for that, and she's been asked to be on the panel and asked to uh, do the land acknowledgement, so I'm super proud of her. Uh, The Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors who have already showed their support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. But those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments and questions, and we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and nativecalgarian.com. So thank you for listening.